Season's greetings and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com, a website and newsletter dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics, just like this podcast is, also dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. If you haven't yet, if you want to get all the scoop and all the late-breaking news on Valpo Athletics, please go to thevictorybell.com and subscribe. $5 a month, $49.99 for the entire year. We had the breaking news on Preston Reedinger being out for the season. We had the news on Darius DiVario being out with a knee injury. And we had the coverage of the Valpo against Elon game, only a media member in the house. Well, we had some radio guys there, but uh, but uh, only print media guy in the house. So again, if you want coverage of what's going on with Valparaiso Athletics, please subscribe to thevictorybell.com. If you're already a subscriber, do yourself a favor and buy a gift subscription for a friend for the holidays. They'll love you forever, and I will love you forever. So it's like a double loving forever kind of thing. Go there. You can find gift subscription, sign up, send an email to someone you love, get them a subscription for the month, have them try it out, get it for them for the year and just be in their good graces forever. It's what you should do. It's the season of giving. Give to me, give to your friends, give to everybody. Does that make sense? I'm out of it right now. It's late. It's 1230. It's Monday morning. Uh, interest of full disclosure, a little under the weather right now, kind of fighting it a little bit. And this is ahead of me going to Lambeau Field on Monday night, going back to home to see my family for a couple of days. Looking forward to that. Going to go out west, spend some time with some friends as well in the desert. Uh, looking forward to all of that. Got a big episode today. Big, big episode. Uh, Dr. Charles Small is going to join, the director of athletics for Valparaiso University. Uh, I want to give a breakdown as to why this interview is happening now and, and why you're hearing it, when you're going to hear it and all of that. Um, Dr. Small did a Q&A, a virtual town hall, with some members of the Valparaiso community, some fans of Valpo Victory Fund members on December 14th. It was Wednesday, December 14th. I was not a part of that. I didn't I didn't get a chance to, to join, but I did watch it back. There's a link out there somewhere um, of him going through and, and, and talking on the on the town hall, and so I watched it back. And and uh, you know, Brandon Vickery did a really good job moderating it. But as I was watching it back, I kind of thought to myself, "Well, what what are some follow up questions that I can ask him from that?" And so that's what this podcast is. This is me. We I conducted this interview with Doctor Small on Friday morning. That was December sixteenth, and uh, and and just knew that I wanted to get through the Valpo basketball game against men's basketball game against Elon before I published this. And honestly, I wanted to have some content for you for, for the holiday week. You got some driving going on. You're doing stuff like that with the family. I thought, hey, what better way to do this than to give you a 45-minute long podcast with Dr. Charles Small. So that's what you're going to hear in the interview. We talk um, we talk specifically about uh, some of the things that he said in the podcast and, uh, or excuse me, in the, uh, the Q&A. We talk about it in the podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, that's uh, it's, it's good, good stuff. I, I just I really enjoy uh, the candidness that he shares. I, I've enjoyed getting to know Charles. I've enjoyed getting to know President Padilla, President Jose Padilla as well. These are two guys that are uh, they're at everything. They're 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 out and about a lot. I've, I've seen these guys a lot. I've I will tell you, I, I had a great relationship with Mark LaBarbera. And, and, and I'll say this and I, I, I see Mark all the time and really, truly enjoy uh, 
my interactions with him. And now that he's out of that job, I, I, I truly enjoy kind of the, the candidness we get to speak in a little bit, mostly around Buffalo Bills football, because that is a tortured fan base. And let me tell you, that guy deserves all of them. They deserve that team to go on a run. And, uh, and I hope they do for his sake. Um, but, you know, when, when there was a new athletic director that came in, you know, the, the question is, is, you know, I've got a pretty unique position around the university. I teach some journalism classes. I, I do what I do here. I launched a new site, right? The Victory Bell didn't really know what that was going to look like. And so it was kind of like, okay, here comes a new guy. I got a report on this guy. I don't know this guy. He doesn't know me. What's this going to be like? You know, this happens with this happens with new coaches all the time. It certainly happened with Landon Fox. It happened with Mary Evans. It happens with happened with Matt Loddick. It happens with everybody. You get you get to know these people. They know what you're about. You know what they're about, and then you find common ground and, and having good conversations. and And I'll tell you this: I've had it with Charles Small so far. I always had it with Mark LaBarbera. I never talked to Mark Heckler much about um, athletics because we just didn't have those kind of conversations. And and I will tell you that 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 President Padilla, we've had conversations as well. I think you you see he's out there. You know he's very very invested in Valpo athletics. So uh, all that being said, I've really enjoyed the possibilities and the opportunities to have these conversations, and it's just been great. It helps helps me do my job a little bit better, I would say. And, uh, and certainly it, it's, it's a lot of opportunity for people in the community to hear what the decision makers of the university are thinking. And so you're going to get a lot from, from Charles Small in this podcast today. You got a lot in that Q&A as well. And so there's a link that, that's floating around out there somewhere. I'm sure you can find it. And, um, and you know, it's, I, I don't know that I'm the one that can make it public, but, uh, but it's out there, right? And so anyway, great conversation with him today. Really thrilled about that. Um, another thing I'm really thrilled about here, it's taken me six minutes to get into this, and I probably should have hit on this right at the beginning, and we'll get back to Charles in a little bit, but uh, the 12 Days of Victory Bell giveaway is going on right now, and I mean, I've really had some fun with this. Uh, it was a lot of fun to, to kind of put some stuff together, right? Some stuff that I was looking out, you know, just going through I, I, my background before I got into uh, sports reporting was I worked in radio promotions and we always has, had a prize closet. We always had like a promotional prize closet where there was just cool stuff just kind of stacked up, you know, stuff that was maybe not the, the most uh, luxurious or the most expensive in the world, but stuff that was kind of cool. And so in my years and, and all of that, I just built up a collection of, of different stuff. And so I thought to myself, you know, uh, this is the season of giving, right? I wanted to reward people and give back to people who have given to me to help get the site off the ground. And so I went back and forth. How was I going to do this? And and I launched the 12 Days of Victory Bell giveaway. So uh, we've had six winners so far. Uh, Tom, I'm not going to give last names because I don't know about invasion of privacy and I'm never going to sell lists or anything like that. Um, Tom, he won right off the bat. And, and basically the way that it was was that if you were a founding member of the uh, of the Victory Bell, founding member meant that you uh, subscribed, and there was an option to uh, to do a hundred dollars at the beginning. Um, and look, I never, I, I it was an option that Substack gave me, so I said, hey, I'll put it on there, and we'll see if anyone does it. Well, about uh, about 
three dozen people did that. Two dozen people did that. Anyway, you know, about 30, 30 people did that or so. And so I, I wanted to take three days and have just a drawing from founding members to, to kind of uh, uh, honor them a little bit for the, uh, for the financial investment they made in the Victory Bell. So Tom, uh, and, then, and then whoever won, you know, the first day got to choose the first prize out of the twelve. And so Tom won. He chose Scott Drew's book, The Power of Joy, uh, which has, has just come out this year. And then uh, Bruce won, season ticket holder, Bruce won the uh, the second giveaway. He sent me a really nice email talking about his grandson at a Valpo basketball camp a couple of years ago when he was five years old, had the chance to play with Javon Freeman Liberty at this basketball camp. And so his grandson is a big Javon Freeman Liberty fan. And so he chose the, the Javon Freeman Liberty autographed card. Uh, Josh was our third winner. Uh, Josh is a guy that I actually know pretty well, lives in Valpo. Um, you know, his uh, his wife was a member of the old pep band. Um, Josh is just a good, good guy. And he wanted the Victory Bell replica. So he got that. Uh, next couple winners have been drawn. They've been notified, have not picked their prizes yet. Uh, Joel, JJ, and then Kent uh, were the next three. So we're halfway through. Tom, Bruce, Josh, Joel, JJ, and Kent. Uh, very excited about this. Um, kind of coming up here on Tuesday. Uh, this is coming out Tuesday morning. So later on today, we'll have uh, another another drawing. We'll have one each day up until Christmas. The first three were founding members only. Then we had founding member and yearly paid for a couple days. And now, uh, starting yesterday, Monday, was founding member, yearly member, and monthly paid subscribers. So if you've paid any money to, to be on this site, You've got this for the next couple days here. Uh, Thursday, we've got founding yearly gift paid subscribers who have signed up during the giveaway, during the giveaway period. So anywhere basically from December to, I, I said basically from December 1st, actually, if you if you signed up, um, you'll be eligible for a drawing there. So if you're looking to give a gift to somebody, and I'm going to sound like a salesperson here because it's my job, because literally this is my job. Um, if, if you're looking to give a gift of, of the, uh, the Victory Bell to somebody, you can go to thevictorybell.com. You can sign up to give a gift. You can actually give a gift for later. So if you want it to trigger on Christmas Day, you can do that. Uh, it's kind of a fun thing. Hey, I'm not even above saying that this could be a white elephant present, right? Like I don't need this doesn't even have to be the classy present. You can you can white elephant gift the victory bell to somebody. So go ahead and do that. It's a really easy process. If you have any questions, shoot me an email at valpovictorybell at gmail.com and I can answer any questions that you have about the gifting or anything like that. So on the 22nd, 23rd, we're giving out uh we're drawing names from the list of people who have subscribed or given gift subscriptions during this period December 24th uh, we're gonna we're gonna Christmas Eve we're gonna be nice to the college kids anyone who is registered with a edu email address all paid subscribers with a edu email address are going to be eligible for a prize that day and then on Christmas Day all subscribers are eligible to win and here is the final kicker every winner that's been drawn all 12 winners that have been drawn, are going to be eligible for the grand prize giveaway of an autographed Homer Drew, Bryce Drew, uh, South Shore poster. And then anybody who has done this yearly gift, uh, founding yearly or gifts uh, subscribing during the Victory Bell, 12 days of Victory Bell giveaway period, they are also 
eligible for that. So if you buy a gift subscription for somebody, you get an automatic entry into winning that poster. So that should be really enough to want to get everybody to buy a gift subscription for a friend for the holidays. I, I can't even speak it any clearer than that. So um, very good. Okay. Uh, that said, let's get to Dr. Charles Small. This is a fun interview. I think there's good stuff here. He sets the record straight on a couple of things. He talks about what his expectations are for men's basketball and really all of the sports at Valpo. You got to remember, he's the athletic director, not just for one sport, but for all of them. And uh, and, and I think he answers these questions. I, I had fun with this one. We'll talk about the New Mexico State football game and what that means financially for the university. Uh, there's good questions in the Q&A about that game, but not really any talk about the finances. Well, we talk about the finances here. So without further ado, Dr. Charles Small. Thrilled to welcome first year director of athletics, Charles Small, to the podcast. Your first, I guess, real appearance on the Victory Bell, the podcast. This was an annual thing with your predecessor. Always excited. You did a virtual town hall Q&A the other day. Um, and I thought I would follow up with some of the stuff that was said in there. And a little bit of a, a first uh, six months of Charles Small here. Not a first hundred days. Um Happy holidays. How are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, Paul. I, I appreciate the uh, invitation. And, you know, it's always a pleasure when I get a chance to to connect with you. So so thank you. So you did this Q&A the other night um, with uh, some really passionate Valpo fans. I think they were um, uh, alumni, people from the community, people from the Valpo Victory Fund, all of that. Um it's been a couple of days since then. What stood out to you about that event? What was, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you any questions about duplicate numbers on the football field. I thought that was a, that was a fun one, but uh, <laughs> what stood out to you about that event and, and the passion that you're seeing from the Valpo fan base? Well, you know, it, you know, when I started off, I did, I, I did listening days. And uh, one of the things that really stood out for me is that our fan base, the folks around campus are passionate about Valpo. And I thought uh, the other night when we had that call, it was just confirmation. Um, another example of people care about this university, people care about this community, and Valpo Athletics is a part of that. So it was great. I thought the questions were great. Uh, it, it, you know, it's always a, a nice reminder that uh, people have different interests. So we had questions about football, basketball, our Olympic sports, uh, direction of the program, and so it's exciting that, that people are are interested. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's, I want that to be a part of um, my legacy here is that um, I'm going to listen. I want to engage with fans. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get some insight on direction that the department's going in. You know, early on, you talked about a 90-day plan. And I think the 90-day plan included a lot of listening included a lot of getting with all of the coaches and getting with other people in the area and, and just listening, you know? Um, but again, I, I, we had joked, I think it was earlier this year at, at Chicago state. I said, Hey, we'd love to do a first hundred days uh, podcast. And, and you were, you were very agreeable to that. And then obviously you're here. Um, and so we're doing this holiday kind of uh, a gift to the Valpo fan base, having you on, which I appreciate when you went on this listening tour so to speak the listening days what was the biggest couple things you took away from that I, I guess a, a better way of putting it is what do you know today that you didn't know in May when you got the job or July 1st when you started the job it's a great great question 
Um, you know, I, I think uh, there were some themes that came out from the different demographics. So when I talked to our coaches and our staff, uh, by far um, what came up in every meeting and one-on-one meeting was that our people care about this department and actually our people are our biggest strength. And uh, we have people that are willing to run through the wall uh, for this university and who are loyal to the department. Um, we can do some really good things. And so when we laid out, you know, initially, I, I kind of talked about four pillars of success and we kind of expanded those. One of the expansions is the people and we're going to lean on our strengths. We're going to also invest in our people. Um, and that's coaches, that's administrators, obviously the student athletes. Uh, when I talked to the deans, uh, I did my listening tour with the deans. And, you know, it's interesting to hear how much, how student athletes are such a big part of that population of the different schools. So uh, the College of Business, nursing, and, um, you know, they're just a big part of the student population in the different colleges. So they were very much interested in um, some of our strategies around retention. They were very much interested in collaborating because uh, our student athletes make up a big portion of a lot of those um, programs. And then when I came into the community, I think um, the biggest thing for me is, is probably some, some big opportunities to partner. Um, people care about this community. Uh, they, they, they love Valparaiso. Um, and I think there's some opportunities uh, for us to add value to the community. Uh, what some of those areas are around leadership uh, development, but also think of family-friendly events um, and sporting events being one of them that uh, we can add value to the community. You have, uh, speaking of community, you have been out in the community a ton and, and you've been very visible in your first six months on the job. I've seen you at almost every sporting event. You know, it doesn't matter if it's men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, soccer, football. Uh, you've been everywhere. Um, a couple other people that I've seen at a lot of these games, too, uh, have been Mark LaBarbera and Bill Steinbrecher. Obviously, Mark was your direct predecessor and I, I see you guys chat at games all the time I always think that's kind of fun and I would love to be a fly that could go over there I want to ask about Bill though Bill has uh has been here forever the guy you know continues to go to games there's a link of history between you two you guys have the same job but I would imagine it's nothing similar right like what that that office you guys share he had that office you have that office um but 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 the jobs couldn't be more different. I guess what what's been your conversations like with Bill Steinbrecher and 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 just the link to the past here? Oh my goodness! And so it's it's such a unique uh, dynamic in to see the visual. You know, when I took the the job, that was one of the things that really intrigued me was the continuity of leadership. And so between Bill Steinbrecher and Mark LaBarbera, I mean, you're looking over forty years of commitment and experience here. And so now that I'm living here, both of them still live here. And so it speaks to how special this community is where people want to stay. For me, it's a great benefit because I have context and history and they both have been accessible. And so, uh, you know, it's funny, some of my early conversations with Bill, we went to the Rotary Club and we've had lunch and, you know, he stops by the, uh, the ARC often. And when we have conversations, I asked him, Hey, when you were in the seat, you know, what kind of were you dealing with at the time and things of that nature? And, it, and, it's, and it's similar in that you're leading through change. And so context may be different. Obviously, college athletics in general is different. But when you look at leadership roles, 
there's still some of those uh, aspects of leading through change. Uh, and I think that's, you know, getting your buy-in from your staff. That's also setting out a vision. And, you know, I think Bill and Mark, uh, both speak to trying to get some early wins. And I think, you know, that's something that Bill specifically told me um, was some of the things that that he thought was important. And uh, and, and, I, and I really think that was valuable advice. So so it's been awesome to connect with Mark and Bill. Uh, I feel like I'm very blessed and fortunate to have them uh, around and, and they care about Valpo, both of them. All right. So you talk about getting some early wins. Uh, let's talk about the fall, if we can. Um People, me, are calling it the Charles Small effect. You show up and the soccer team wins the first Valley title. You show up, the volleyball team wins the first 12 matches of the year. You show up, there's not one, not two, but three tailgate parties at the first couple football games, right? Uh, you know, again, I, I, we're, no one's calling it the Charles Small effect, but uh, maybe. Um, how enjoyable was the fall, right? To come in to 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 kind of see the student athletes get off to a good start. You said on Wednesday night that the fall sets the tone for the year. How enjoyable was that tone? Yes, first of all, Paul, it, it is definitely it's far from the Charles Fall, <laughs> Charles Small effect. I mean, folks have you know they've really. I thought it was really um, a tremendous uh, example of the foundation that our, our coaches and the administration and staff uh, has set in place. Um, and for me, it was really, to me, a prelude of where we can go. And so when you think about uh, uh, the so our soccer program, winning the first Missouri Valley Conference Championship, anytime you're the first, uh, it's tremendous. And I think it's very difficult to do. For me, symbolically, though it opened the doors and conversation about uh, what's possible. And, um, you know, one of our themes in, in our department is going to be our, our motto is going to be choose to be great. And, you know, we're going to collectively define what that means uh, in a specific Valpo. But I thought our soccer program was a great example of that cohort coming together and continuing to build. And so John Maravich did a great job. His coaching staff won coach of the year, Missouri Valley on the soccer side. Um, our student athletes, I mean, you know, Nikki Coriwell, uh, who's goalkeeper of the year, but all the stuff she does outside of soccer and how talented our, our team is. I thought that they're a great example. She's going to come take my job someday. Hey, you're grooming her, you know, and, and so like, <laughs> I, I love the fact that you're mentoring her and, and um, she's just a wonderful person. And I can go down the line of other student athletes on that team who are just great ambassadors for our university um, but the volleyball program, you know, to me, that's just a story of consistency and what Karen Avery has been able to do. Obviously, long before I got here, I mean, you're looking at um, 17, uh, 20 win uh, seasons in 21 years. And, you know, um, she's seven wins away from passing Emory Bauer in, in the all-time wins uh, uh, category for Valpo athletics across any sport. And so when you talk about uh, tradition, you talk about success, I thought it was awesome. And, and, and I thought it, it really set the tone for our winter sports. Uh, my job is to make sure that we build on that and we identify how, what are our gaps and how do we uh, continue to improve and what that, that looks like. And then what I'll tell you is the community coming to the football games was just amazing. And I want to give a shout out to our student life uh, staff on campus. They set up tailgates, uh, our community relations uh, department. Uh, so they set up tailgates with students, our community relations department on campus. 
really engaged community members and we partnered on a community tailgate. And so I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And when I go through downtown, there's so many family activities to do that are affordable and just accessible. And we want to plug into that. And so that's the idea behind the uh, community tailgates for football. All right. I want to, I want to touch on, on two different points that you made on Wednesday. This was one that's gotten a little bit of a, I don't know, passionate response. You talked about gauging success a little bit. I think the question was about gauging success a little bit. And you made a comment about finishing in the top half of the conference. And it feels like the more passionate Valpo fans that are out there that have uh, heard this comment are pushing and saying that for men's basketball, at least, the aspiration should be higher than just a top six finish, right? There's like 50 different ways to go here. But I want to ask, in regards to men's basketball, or really any sport here for that matter, is finishing in the top six deemed a successful season? Is it that simple, that that metric? Is that is it that simple? Or kind of how do you gauge success? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm really at, I'm glad you asked this as a follow-up question. Um, when when I talk about top half of the conference, that is more of a goal for the department, but we look at it in a way where we're looking at our overall conference standings. And the reason I do that is very um, intentional. We're going to push that each team needs to maximize their potential for that roster and that team for that time. And so we know that each sport and each team can be in a different cycle at different times. But whatever your roster is, we need to maximize that. And so, for example, I thought soccer maximized their talent by winning the regular season conference championship, which is very tough to do. And then turn around, you got the tournament. You know, I think both were two different seasons, but they maximize their talent. And so there may be some other programs and more in the development stage that won't be in the top half for this year. But overall, as a department, that's a gauge for us. We when we look at the overall conference standings, we should be in the top half. And I, I want to I share that out with our department periodically. And it's kind of a nudge that we all have stake in this. And, we, and it's not just on basketball as a department. Now, I want to speak to basketball. I think basketball, when you look at our history and you look at the uh, the the capacity for publicity and you look at the capacity for generating revenue, we have to have a healthy basketball program. I mean, one is simple math, um, but also I think that is a big part of our profile and that's going to be a big part of our success. So, you know, I don't think it's a basketball needs to be in the middle of pack and we wipe our hands and say, okay, we're done here. We want championships in basketball. You know why? Because our, our, we have a history around success in basketball. We were in a very competitive uh, conference. And when you do have success in basketball, um, there's a lot of exposure for the, for the university overall. And, and it is an opportunity uh, for us to use that platform to tell our universities and our community stories. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm happy to, uh, that you asked the follow-up question. Um, I'm, a, I'm a process guy. I think goals uh, help to gauge distance and, um, and just kind of give us some context around how far we are uh, for where we need to go. Uh, but I think that's just part of the story. And, and I'm really into to process and I'm really into um, us getting there together. So um, that's just one metric. There's other metrics. You know, we'll look at student-athlete well-being. We'll look at student-athlete experience as other metrics on, on how we measure success as a department. But I do want 
to be clear that I want all of our programs to excel and go for championships. Um, and people, you know, basketball is most visible, but, you know, it's important for all our sports and basketball is part of it. I was going to save this one till the end. We're talking about basketball. I'll ask it now. You were at Toledo. You were at Chicago State. Every place I've been this year, you've been there. It's been it's been great to, to look <laughs> up in the stands. I know you're talking to people. No one would ever accuse you of not having an eye on men's basketball, right? You're at every game. Uh, it's been interesting. As if there were 11 games, Valpo's got the best win in the Valley in the non-conference, beating James Madison. Yeah. It's quad one win. That's great. Got some of the worst losses as well. Uh, Chicago State, the manner in which they lost to some of these other teams. The frustrations are there with fans cascading down. They just want to get back to the NCAA tournament. You talked a lot on Wednesday. You've talked for the last six months about being kind of a data-driven, data-informed guy. What are you seeing in basketball? And I'm asking this because obviously it's the question that everybody wants to know. What do you think about basketball? But also you played basketball. You've, you've, this is your sport, so to speak, right? I, I have seen you in the hallway with Matt after games, having good, good conversations, laughing, joking, you know, being an ear to him and all that. Uh, wh what have you seen this year and, and kind of what, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no. Uh, so I, what I've seen nationally, um, and also really uh, at a conference level, level is uh, shifting of rosters has really um, changed how teams uh, perform in a non-conference play. And so I think there was a time where you had, you know, when I played and things of that nature, um, you know, our best teams were older teams. They've been together. The chemistry was there. Your game prep was different. Um, you know, you were five steps ahead when you had a group uh, that built some continuity together. And so I think across the Missouri Valley, and you see it nationally, um, there's some shifting in rosters. And I've seen coaches um, kind of change lineups, trying to figure out um, different um, styles. And, and I think you're going to start seeing that settle down a little bit going into conference play. And so, like I said, across the conference, I, I've, I've seen that. And I think we, were, we are a part of that. Um, you know, and I thought early on Toledo had a, a nucleus that came back. They knew what they were doing really early. It was at home and uh, they got away from us. I thought Chicago State was one that, you know, traditionally Valpo fans would say, hey, that's one you kind of get on the road. Um, once again, I, I thought um, they were settled a little bit earlier than we were. And we had, I thought we struggled in the first half on the road. And so, you know, Matt's making adjustments. Uh, we're trying to figure out lineups in those, in those spaces. Um, and, I, and I think the overall in the Missouri Valley, there's probably some wins that were left on the table across the board that we traditionally have been known to get. Now, the challenge is going to be we're going to beat up on each other here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think whoever settles first and get, you know, I think basketball in the game and also across the season is a game of momentum. You got to have a short memory from game to game, but it also is this kind of momentum and confidence that kind of builds if you can get some wins. So, um, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll be curious to see how that plays out in, in conference play. Uh, and so I think we have some, some, some different parts, you know, uh, I think Kobe and Ben, uh, are great talents and, and, you know, they've, I think, um, we're in a good, we, we have an advantage there because they, they return. But I also think we have a lot of key pieces that have to come together um, for us to be a really good team. So I, 
I think it's going to be competitive. I, I think that's the great part about conference play, and um, we're going to see how it how it unfolds. You've uh, I saw you not only for men's basketball. I saw you at Northwestern uh, for women's basketball. I know a lot of these places you're going to. You're looking at the arenas while you're there, right? Um, facilities are a big question as well. Uh, President Padilla was the first guest ever of the Victory Bell, the podcast, and he talked about the strategic plan. I know where we're at with that. I think most Valpo fans that are passionate enough to be on minute 40 of a podcast know that there's there's plans being put together, all of that. What are you seeing? Uh, you know, I thought Toledo's got a really nice arena, uh, probably a little bit bigger than what would fit at Valpo. I thought, I mean, if you could take Chicago State's arena and drop that in the center of Valpo's campus, that would be fantastic, right? What have you seen that stands out to you that – that could help take these basketball programs and all the other sports to the next step through facilities? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're looking at, um, you know, size and scope, uh, you know. So when I look at fan experience, you know, I think uh, arenas that have a range of uh, opportunities for experience are, you know, important. So premium seatings, you know, club space, suites, loge boxes, you know, depending on what, what your interest is, you know, I think that's a good experience. You're coming with a family of small kids. You may want one type of seating. Um, so other people want other types. So I think looking at that, um, I like the, uh, I'm really looking at design. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's some some design groups I thought have done a good job of storytelling. And I think Valpo has a really uh, great tradition and story to tell. So, you know, how do we, for example, you know, we Northwestern, I thought, did a great job of taking their previous court and they repurposed that court throughout the new, uh, the renovated facility. And, and when you think about the Homer Drew court and things of that nature, I was, you know, it gives us some ideas around really holding on uh, to our history. Uh, and then, you know, size wise, I, I think we're looking for something that's going to uh, be large enough where I was generating ticket sales. But also, you know, I don't think you want something too spacious where um, you can't feel the crowd's impact. And so, you know, we've been throwing around the number 4,000 um, to 5,000 seats, you know, and maybe 4,000 seats for basketball. But if you want to hold concerts, you know, if you have floor, you know, put seats on the floor, maybe you're 5,000 total. So um, just looking at those, those, um, just different layouts and just, you know, also look at flow. So when I think about locker room space, um, you know, is there a consistency between sports and locker room space? How is how's the flow of the building for the student athletes, for the fans? Um, and so I'm just taking notes and doing some benchmarking. All right, I want to shift back. Uh, we kind of, you know, went with these. These were off script questions here. Oh, yeah. I want to shift back to my script that I've got. Um, and and let's be clear, I did not, you know, I did not give you any questions ahead of time, but this is just for me. Um, you made another point on Wednesday, you reiterated it today about maximizing opportunities when you're close, uh, you know, you maximize, you go get that conference title, all of that. Um, women's soccer did that, right? Uh, here's some inside baseball or maybe inside soccer for people that don't know, they get this conference title. Their offices are being redone right now. I, that might be a coincidence, but they're finally getting rid of that wood paneling that's been in there in John Arovich's office for since 1970. Um, and you might have some of it in your office, but um, 
when you talk about maximizing opportunities, right? When you talk about like when 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 you're there, when you're in not the development phase, but the execution phase of a roster, what does that look like? You know, from from your seat, maximizing opportunities. I, you know, I'm so I my philosophy is our coaches are our CEOs of our sports programs, and you know, I'm there to raise the floor and raise the ceiling. So I'm there to provide support in terms of raising the floor. But I'm also there to push and get stretch goals. So that way we're, uh, to your point, maximizing our potential. So at the beginning of um, the year, you know, I'm asking all of our sports programs, what are your four levers of success? So your four top priorities. I know there's a list of 20 and you should be in tune to those, but I want to know the top four and I want them ranked, and that's a that's a really difficult exercise. Uh, but when I say they're the CEOs of their sports, I'm making decisions on our administrative teams, not me solely, but our administration team is making decisions on investments. And so, you know, we want to strategically invest so that we can capitalize when the sports are are ready um, to to get championships. But we also need to to invest in development. And so when you mentioned John, I, I mean, I thought John had a really clear vision or has a really clear vision, he has a very strong culture. Um, and he came in and, and he said, hey, this is this is a good time for our, this team has developed. You know, we have some expectations, but he also has a clear vision on where we need to go. And each sport, you know, I've met with our coaches and um, that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of when we talk about goals is one thing to talk about winning championships. And, you know, that's a that's a lag measure in my opinion. Um, but in terms of a process measure, I want to know what does success look like for this year and, and how can I help? How can we invest? And um, how do you support the coaches in that way? I want to talk about football for a second. Namely, I want to talk about the New Mexico State game. Amazing opportunity for the players and for all that to play against an FC or FBS team. Uh, Landon talked about it in an interview that he did with me. You talked about it on a Wednesday. Um, I want to ask about that. I don't want to gloss over that. I think all that's important, but I do want to ask about the long-term implications of this game. It was reported in the Las Cruces newspaper that Valpo was going to get a big chunk of change from this $425,000 private school. You guys don't ever have to disclose that stuff, but it was a big number. That's not walking around money. That's safe deposit box money. I think, um, first of all, when you get a phone call, was it a phone call from Landon that said, Hey, we got an opportunity to do this for all those fun reasons that we talk about. And you know, the, the, the check is great. What is that? What does that money, all of that allow the football team, you, the department, all of that to do? Oh, it's a great, yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's, it's great for our department. You know, um, we don't get opportunities for those type of game guarantees, um, you know, it's probably our big, I would think our biggest game guarantee in football history. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would imagine the entire school. I can't ever yeah, remember just, anything like know, that. Yeah. And so, um, so the, 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 the line of logic was one, is it a good, you know, is it a good decision? We talked about health and safety, things of that nature. Um, and, and we also, we got some student athlete info. Did they want to compete in that game? And so once we check those boxes, um, we we then said, hey, we want to make sure our student athletes are going to compete in this game, that they have a really good experience on the trip. And so uh, we spent a little bit more <laughs> than we normally would on a trip uh, because we wanted them to have kind of that December playing football 
uh, experience. You know, I wouldn't go as far as saying like a bowl experience, but you know, we, you know, the charter flight, the, the itinerary really reflected an FBS type and itinerary. Um, and so that, you know, there's some costs there, quick turnaround on, on flights. And so the trip in itself cost some money, which was great because we were investing. And I, and I hope all of our student athletes remember that experience. Um, and, you know, and that was a positive thing for them. I think on the other side, uh, we've talked about pillars of success and student athlete experience is, is uh, a big one. And obviously that we talked about facilities. And so as we look at our priorities, um, you know, we're going to reinvest right into the priorities. And that's why it's so important for us all to be on the same page of esports, top four levers, and then as a department, what our top priorities are. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think we were really fortunate to have have that opportunity um, and to capitalize on that. You know, I, I think anytime someone, yeah, I'll put it to you this way. I Last summer, I made a run on the World Series of Poker main event. It was quite fun, made some money, and all of my friends and everybody started telling me how to spend money, right? Everybody. So uh, Valpo gets this windfall, I suppose I would call it that, and everyone's got ideas about how you're supposed to go spend this money, you know, um, which I found through the poker thing was just a little awkward, you know, <laughs> after a while, like, like someone, hey, can we go to dinner? Oh, no, I, I don't know. You know, well, you can afford it. Okay, fine. You know, like, anyway, um, I want to ask about one particular way that I think you could spend the money, because I'm going to do that, right? There you, go. You, you, you've hit on this, uh, President Padilla's hit on this, this idea of a covered turf space, right? Uh, I have no idea how much that costs, probably far more than anything New Mexico State's going to pay for. But from my estimation, a covered turf space would significantly improve football. It would significantly improve women's soccer. Baseball and softball, you know, have to practice in in small warehouse broom closets a little bit. Like, is this just a hypothetical right now? There's a concept of a covered turf space, a bubble or whatever that might be, or have really serious conversations taking place about this? Uh, Serious conversations. Uh, You know, and I... I, you know, I don't know if that's a, a turnaround where we're so, you know, when we look at the the guarantee money, you know, that's going into revenue to offset expenses. And yes, it's new money, but that's strategically going to tie into our priorities. The the covered turf space, I think, is uh, important. And it's and it's talked about pretty much every week um, when we talk about our facility plans. And so as we talk about the new arena, as we talk about renovation in the ARC, um, we have kind of a long-term plan. Uh, and we talked about that earlier with the new arena. There's a renovation with the ARC in that, in that piece. But then there's this intermediate plan of things that, you know, we can't just wait till, you know, we raise the money for the arena. We have to continue to get better. And so uh, the covered turf part of it is uh, being discussed kind of in those intermediate plans, but also uh, definitely in a long-term plan. You know, we, we, we've talked about when you redo the arc, you know, one, you know, and you move potentially to the basketball court, where uh, is that one area? Do you build new, a new turf type area? Uh, we've talked about that. And so we're having those conversations because it just, it will add uh, to our student athlete experience. It will add, give us, help us competitively, uh, obviously, with the weather piece, and um, I actually also think academically because it frees up uh, some schedule conflicts. 
All right, final uh, final question I've got here for you. Um, you mentioned on Wednesday in the Q&A a couple things that are coming either later this month or in January, right? Uh, the, there's there's talk that there's been a commitment to getting the pep band back and that actually becoming a financial commitment uh, from from the school, uh, whether it be athletics or, or academics or whatever. Uh, continued improvements to the game day experience at the arc. We, if you've been to any games this year, you, you people have seen uh, kind of moving around a little bit of, of, of some of the stuff. Um, you know, I would advocate for more concession stand workers. If that, if I, if I could come up with anything in um, right. NIL collective, right. That's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the, so, so it sounds like, you know, January and February might look a lot different than October and November. Is this a product now of you having gone through the listening sh- stage and now being in an implementation stage? I don't. That's that's my words I've used, but but you've done a lot of listening. Is it now time that you are implementing? Yeah. So so some of for this first year, some of our departmental goals um, were just having uh, policies, plans and processes, which I call the furniture. So any high performing athletic department, I think in in uh, contemporary times, you know, I think have some furniture in them. And, and so I think the NIL um, piece of it, you know, the collective piece, which was also, that, and some of those discussions were, were, were being had before I got here, um, just to, you know, give some context. But the NIL plan, graduation incentives that we're gonna do, which is basically the Austin money, that we knew we needed to have a plan and now we had uh, conversations and then so we'll be announcing some of those plans so yep that was a part of the listening but that was also a part of our um, strategy and you know a lot of implementation of it will be obviously in the spring but also um, more so in the fall I think on the fan experience you know it's I have to just you know I'm a big person of being present and so some of it was I needed to experience uh, some of our venues and settings uh, before we started making some changes. Um, and so, you know, I think a big part of that would be this summer that's coming up. But like I said, I'm also a believer that the same way I expect from our coaches, we have to constantly get better. You know, it's not, we're just going to hit hit or put our foot on the brakes and wait till a, a natural planning time. And so there are little things we can do, particularly in, in men's and women's basketball game day experience, um, that we're going to keep chipping away at. And then we'll come back to the table in the summer and look at some big picture deals. But um, customer service is a piece. And, and there's layers to that. You know, we've gotten, we're, we're not immune to the, the industry factors around um, just staffing and, and, and things of that nature. We're not using excuses, but that's a part of it. Um, but just little things that we could chip away at. We're not going to wait to the end of the season. We're going to uh, implement some of those things. So the band, I think is one of them. So I, I came in, did my listening tour, and I heard the band, the band, the band. And, uh, you know, when I got here, we couldn't do anything for football. Just It was too quick of a turnaround. Um, and then so we had some conversations in the fall, and and we feel good about kind of in January being to implement some of those plans. It's pretty, particularly relates to the band. And uh, I, th- I, I think with college students, we have to incentivize a little bit, pay them. You're at a high uh, rigorous uh, academic institution and, uh, you know, want to give them some uh, incentive to to participate versus, you know, deciding between studying for a test and, and and kind of playing in a band. So we felt like it was it was good to compensate them. 
you watch the Valpo Florida State NIT game. Uh, the you, you mentioned this. I thought that was great. That was a fun game, memorable night. The St. Mary's game, also a fun one, just not as fun brand of basketball. It was kind of a grinded out game. Uh, what stood out to you watching that on uh, on tape? It was just, you know, so hard to describe, Paul, but it, I, w- I would frame it a- around an energy. Um, now, I, I know it's weird. I, I was playing basketball with my six-year-old in the basement. So, you know, I think that's fascinating in itself, that his l- little imagination is running wild. And now with YouTube TV and stuff, you can have this stuff on the background. And when I saw the the, the video span the crowd, and you just saw a range of folks, students, and I mean, it looked like faculty members and, and obviously community members, different ages. Everyone was into the game, and it and it was it was different than like a Cameron indoor, you know, because I think that's a unique venue. But my first time going to Cameron, I had that same feeling of energy of this is not a big space, but like it's unique in that people are on top of you and it's loud and people are into it, and so. That's what I got. You know, obviously I haven't experienced that yet, but to me, I have that kind of embedded in my mind that that's where we're going and we've been there. So that's to me a realistic goal. Uh, it, we've done it. We've been there and uh, that place was rocking. And so uh, if I had to describe it, it was just an energy in the building um, that was not fabricated. It was an organic energy. Are you uh how are you with your son when you play basketball? Are you letting him score? Are you blocking his shots? What are you doing? He's winning every every game at this point. You know, okay. we're, we're getting some confidence going. And, uh, you know, he, he it's all – I just, you know, whether it's basketball, playing the piano, swimming, I just want him to find what he's passionate about and, uh, you know, and have fun. You know, I I, I think that's, that's the biggest part. You know, I don't want it too structured um, and want him to have the choice of just having fun, so – Well, very good. Dr. Charles Small, thank you very much for joining the Victory Bell, the podcast. Obviously, fans are uh, they see you out all the time. I'm sure you're okay if they come say hello. Um, It's uh, you're you're, it's it's great to see you at the arc all the time. Uh, Valpo going to play Elon on Sunday and then Stonehill for a community day. Are you going to dress as Santa at all? (laughs) <laughs> I got. I did put on the the AD twenty pound deal. You know, I put it on so, but I don't know if I could pull up the Santa piece. <laughs> well, too, too much media room food. It happens to the best of us. Let me tell you. So, uh, Doctor Small, thank you, Charles, very much for uh, for joining today. Well, Paul, I appreciate the opportunity and, and wonderful job with 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 all the material that you put out there. Thank you.